I mean, what's pro football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. As a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Do you not understand that they are that way because you're Joe Flacco? And you just like to discredit things that people deserve credit for. That you can't possibly be expected to defend that. Talk about the game, Sam. So, Who cares about what people think about us? Yeah, I like football, I like football season, all the things that go with it. Welcome in to the PFF NFL podcast. Steve Pelizzola here with Sam Monson. That's right. I'm still in my mom's basement. Sam's back in the studio. You never know where we're going to be this summer for the PFF NFL podcast. Welcome back from vacation, Sam. Thanks, Steve. Hey, welcome in. You changed up the the intro for the first time ever. <laughs> uh, it was more accidental. I was no, more yeah, stunned I by the Zoom call showing me, and I was more, you know, unprofessional. Unprofessional. It's I did right. not respond to it it was close you know you, you almost got there you've only been saying the same thing for the last like seven years a, <laughs> i was listening to a podcast recently and somebody was making fun of another podcast who like uh celebrated their segues celebrated when they you know made a nice transition or mm. everything i was like man i feel seen that's what that's certainly yeah. what we do yeah, yeah so i wonder wonder if it was us um anyway today we'll get into some madden ratings uh the pff 50 is coming out this week we'll talk about that thursday sam that sound good mm-hmm best players in the NFL. We'll get your emails. There was one email that uh, made Sam chuckle quite a bit. And uh, we'll get into that. And man, these bets are coming in, coming in strong, Sam. Yeah. A lot of them. we got a lot of the bets at it. So for anyone new, um, we decided this year, what we would do is provide a forum for listeners to basically call us out when we've been saying the same thing all summer, you know, because football hasn't changed largely once the moves have been made your opinions are kind of set in stone until we see different, right? Until we see real football take place and you can decide actually, yeah, we got that wrong or, you know, this player is dramatically better or worse in his new environment than we thought he was going to be. So if we're going to say something and you dramatically disagree with what we're saying, then let's, let's put a bet on it. Let's track it. You know, you can call us out. You can email us in uh, to NFL podcast at PFF.com. Tell us where we're wrong. Let's, put some, you know, parameters to the bet and let's, well, maybe put some stakes to it as well, but let's track what we say versus what the listeners think and where we're full of it. And we've had a ton of people emailing in with various bets. Um, yeah, the, the best ones are ones that very clearly define, you know, the parameters of what we're talking about. Like, this is where you're wrong. This is exactly how I've decided we can tell that you're going to be wrong. And then, you know, this is what we'll, we'll call it. So, a ton of these flying in some of them are really fun this is making me think there's so many coming in sam and, and so many that we're gonna accept we can't accept all of them right but i think we're, we're gonna have several bets accepted before the season we should probably have a se- preseason show of bets 
I wonder if there's a way to get our listeners involved. If listeners could step up and bet with each other and like, hey, I'll take that. Well, I'll take that ridiculous <laughs> bet, whatever it might be. You know, we could get some really good interaction here. But I mean, I we'll do think like a preseason show where we go go through all of them leading into the 2022 season. Yeah, we're, we will only have a sort of set amount of them that we'll keep tracking and, and kind of keep air on, on this spreadsheet, though. I think we're going to open up to people at some point The I think to get on there, to be one of the official accepted ones, it's got to be something where, like, we, you know, vehemently disagree. Like, because we've had a lot coming in that are, are good in terms of, yeah, we, we disagree a bit. The parameters are very clear. You know, what you're saying in terms of how to measure it makes sense. But it's like, I wouldn't dramatically disagree. Like, I could see it going down that way. The ones where we're, I think the ones we're going to take are the ones where we're going to, you know, keep as a sort of pff show pff podcast versus listener bet are the ones where like we think you are insane for suggesting that like if you believe it that's great but we think you're crazy so you know we had the patriots draft class versus the ravens one i accepted one with uh trash here on your behalf when you weren't here yeah, on the what Buffalo. was that one uh somebody thought the bills offensive line i forget where what i think top five top 10 something like that they thought the bills offensive line was going to rank very high um the wherever whatever the official thing is will be in the document but i i decided that was crazy enough that you wouldn't object to accepting that um so it's that kind of thing right if the ones we're going to accept are the ones where we you know we clearly differ dramatically as opposed to yeah it could go either way and we would be on the other side um, so the, the other thing, we, when we do our preview shows, I do wonder if, uh, there'll be a lot of stuff coming out of that. You know, like we predict the bears to finish last or whatever it might be. And people are going to say, no, you know, bear right. down, they're going to win the division, you know, whatever it might be. So there'll be some good stuff. I think some opportunities leading into the, into the season after our preview shows and everything. So by the way, um, again, send them in. Yeah. One last thing that's happened, you know, in the last week or so since, since I've been on vacation, all sorts of things. After after week one of Ireland touring New Zealand in the rugby, we had somebody emailing in. We have a lot of people listen from New Zealand for some reason. Um, so somebody was emailing in, essentially mocking the performance of Irish rugby in New Zealand after losing one. There's the, uh, the rugby tally going up. Since then, up. however, Ireland have won all of the games and won the series in New Zealand and are now the number one ranked team in the world. Consequently... I'm wearing the Island jersey today. You get a trophy for that? What happens when you become number one in the world? You do get a trophy, not for being number one in the world. For winning the series in New Zealand, you get a trophy on the basis that there appears to be, it's like college football rivalries. You know the way there's like a trophy for everything? You know, the egg yeah. bowl, like every one of these games has some kind of trophy that somebody takes home. Rugby seems to be very similar. Like if you win a game against another tier one nation, there's a trophy involved somewhere. Like it may be irrelevant. Nobody knows what it is. But there will be a piece of silverware that's exchanged from one person to the other. Um, so that, yeah, Ireland get a trophy for winning the series. Also, there's a guy, there's like one crazy lunatic who, who tracks something called a Rayburn Shield, which essentially is like, you know, the linear championship in boxing where it's like sequential, right? From whoever the first heavyweight champion in the world is all the way down to now, you know, the belt pass from one guy to the next. Some guy is essentially tracked the linear holder of this mythical shield from the very first rugby game in 1871 or whatever it is. So like you only, if you win, you beat the guy that has the shield, you get the shield. And then if you lose, the next guy has the shield. And he's basically tracked 
like who has the shield from 1871 and now now it's ireland we'll have to do a whole podcast on that too congratulations sam ireland Thank is you. number one in the world yeah. long overdue and look we mm-hmm. were rebuilding a couple of years ago getting the youth movement going right. and now it's starting to pay off uh-huh it's finally coming good andy farrell right. Mike cat it's beautiful before we get into the madden ratings we got some 99 club new members the best place to play fantasy football this summer is underdog fantasy their best ball mania tournament has 10 million dollars in total prize money and the best part is you just draft your fantasy football team and that's it there's no waivers no trades no in-season management Underdog gives you your best score each week of the season and the highest scores at the end of the year win the champion of best ball mania drafted last year during the summer. So there's no time like the present to join underdog and take your shot at a million dollar draft. Plus underdog is going to double your first deposit up to $100 when you sign up with the promo code PFF. Also, if you play 10 of those dollars using promo code PFF, you get a free PFF subscription. So what are you waiting for? Head to underdogfantasy.com or the App Store. Play $10 with code PFF and draft your best ball mania team today. All right, Sam, the uh, the Madden ratings are out. Uh, did you have Madden in Ireland? I know you were uh, I know you liked that arcade game style. I'm a I'm a sim sim game style person, so I don't like the arcade. I like Madden and realism and the ratings and making the gameplay real. Were you a Madden guy growing up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had Madden. Um, they we, the console was called something different, but the game was the same. So you had it was Genesis over here, right? And I had, yeah, we had Sega Genesis. Yeah. yeah. Well, in in the UK and Ireland, it was the Mega Drive, but it was the same thing. The it was back, you know, when like everything was region locked, and for some reason, games yeah. were region locked as well. So the Sega Mega Drive, you couldn't buy an American cartridge and just plug it in; it wouldn't work. You had to get the European version, the PAL or whatever it was, PAL and whatever NTSC. These are things that nobody understands anymore because it's yeah, yeah it's irrelevant. Yeah, right. But like those are the two different. I don't even know what the thing is, like the format. Um, but yeah, Madden Madden worked in the Mega Drive. Big fan, whatever. Then I I don't know what the earliest one I had was, but. Madden 95 for me. It was 95. probably somewhere around the same same yeah. kind of ballpark, yeah. So, yeah, it was uh, Madden was a special part of my life before I had kids, got married, you know, the whole thing. <laughs> uh, don't have as much time for the game anymore, but um, people do point out, I, I think we're okay to say this, we do have a relationship with EA Sports, with, with the team over at Madden. They do use us heavily, um, which is why, uh, and not just for the grades or the ratings, you know, in their sense, but... Uh, for everything we have you know i think the best football database in the world so it helps fuel the best football game in the world which is madden but we've got some uh some new madden 99 club members including the highest graded player by pff last year mr trent williams at left tackle yeah so this week they are releasing these the 99 club guys starting this week um there was a bunch of leaks that happened last week or a bunch of leaks that happened a while ago actually which EA Sports sort of denied, and we're like, no, 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 those aren't accurate at all. Uh, so, and then last week there was an official, uh, official quote unquote leak: the idea that Trent Williams would become the first offensive lineman ever to get the 99 rating. The other guys were not sure if they're going to hold up or not once this uh, ratings, once this week of releasing the 99 club guys happens. So they may change. But Madden 22. There were five guys in this 99 club, uh, Travis Kelsey, Jalen Ramsey, um, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Donald, and who's the, oh, Devontae Adams. Then the leaked guys for Madden 23, 23 
we're going to meet Mahomes, Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup after his insane season, Aaron Donald, Miles Garrett, and TJ Watt. That was the one that was sort of disputed by EA, and then the first sort of leak comes out, and it's Trent Williams. Anyway, my main point was essentially who belongs in the Madden 99 club? If, if you and I were creating these Madden ratings, who would you give a 99 to for the game coming out, you know, the next one? Uh, definitely Aaron Donald. I think we're, we're all yeah. in agreement there. Um, I think, I don't know if there's any corner. I'm thinking about Jalen Ramsey at cornerback. Um, and he recently tweeted, you know, his, his accolades a few week, uh, a few uh, weeks ago, right? His first five or six years, all the all pros, all the pro bowls. And was basically like, stack up my resume against anyone else. Um, I think it's really good. I think Ramsey's great. And I think he's also like a create a player as far as yeah. what you want in a corner can do it all. Right. I don't know if his on-field performance is always to that level, right. right? I mean, Richard Sherman was a little bit more consistent from a grading standpoint. Darrell Rebus was more consistent from a grading standpoint. Even Chris Harris, the two, the three guys that we always talk about as our all-decade corners. So Ramsey, I think, as far as attributes go, is a 99. Mm-hmm. I don't know if his on-field performance always matches that, though. Yeah, it's funny. Like, the, the kind of tweet that he put out, and he's like, you know, who's done this all-pro, pro bowl, like – we know the Pro Bowl is a joke. <laughs> like, right. You can't use that as an argument. It might be it's great on your resume, but it's 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 like it's it doesn't mean anything. It's it's crap. Like pro the number of Pro Bowls a guy has made in today's NFL is is almost completely meaningless. It's absurd. The system is a joke. The it, it's broken. It, it's entirely reputation based. It's it's a farce. All pros is more you know meritorious. Um, and that I think is fair, but again, like all pros don't necessarily hold up and especially in certain positions of which cornerback I think is one. Um, Khalil Mack got two that one year, double all pro, you know? Yeah. Particularly if you're going to go to second team, then it starts to get really sketchy. And I think Ramsey has been the benefit of at least one of those situations, right? Where he, because of the way the all-pro voting system works, second team is almost by default sometimes. Um, and I think Ramsey's been involved in at least one of those where he's got a, uh, an all-pro spot because of that. So, you know, what I'm saying is that the main, like, thrust of his argument is based off kind of reputational rather than real performance indicators in a way. And, look, I, Richard Sherman kind of came back and said, yeah, but, you know, you look at me and Patrick Peterson, it kind of stacks up the same. And it did, and Sherman in particular, like, always had the coverage numbers and the PFF grade to back up the All-Pros and the Pro Bowl. Like, he was the guy, Patrick Peterson, a first-round pick. Um, Jalen Ramsey, a first-round pick. Sherman had to earn it. Like, that guy, what was he, a fifth-round pick who completely overachieved relative to what people thought he was going to be. So he needed the coverage numbers and the actual on-field performance rather than just being able to rely on a reputation. He needed to earn the reputation before he was able to get the Pro Bowls and the All-Pro nominations. Sherman's also interesting because he also became the prototype of a basically a new defense that the entire league tried to replicate. Um, and I know some people might make the argument, hey, you know, Sherman played zone. You know, it was an easier role. Um, and there's there's some truth to it's probably easier doing what Sherman did than say what Darrell Rebus did, legitimately just playing man all over the field, both sides in the slot when necessary. 
But Sherman became the prototype for a new position. And it wasn't like he never manned up. You know, he was the guy that did man up one-on-one on, say, like the single receiver side when there was trips to the other side, those types of things. But Sherman was so good at what he did, everybody tried to find the next Richard Sherman, and not too many have been found <laughs> through the years. Right. So um, I, I go through all that to say, look, I think Jalen Ramsey, like I, I wouldn't argue with him as a 99. Um, I just don't know if his on-field performance is like as clear-cut as some of the other guys of the last generation. Um, uh... I agree with Trent Williams. I agree with Aaron Donald. Anyone else that you would add to that list there, Sam? I'm wrong on the all-pro thing for Jalen Ramsey, by the way. His three all-pros are all first-team, and so he didn't he didn't luck into one of the sort of second-team default ones. But that is a flaw. I wasn't suggesting system. that he did, but yeah, that's good. No, no, I, I was. I thought, I, I, yeah. I think I might be confusing him with Sherman uh, in terms of benefiting from one of those second-team all-pro spots. But yeah, like I... I think Jalen Ramsey at his best is in that 99 group. And, and the 99 thing is weird because it is sort of seasonal, right? Like the, you look at the guys from last year's game and you're probably going to see a couple of those guys drop out of the 99 club this year. Like, I don't know if Travis Kelsey will have it this year. Um, Ramsey might him not. and Mahomes probably drop from 99. Yeah, maybe. Um, or Mahomes might stay there, but whatever. The, it is kind of seasonal. So if you got... Jalen Ramsey coming off that 2017 season. I think that's fair for a 99. Jalen Ramsey coming off last year, maybe. Again, I, I'm kind of where you are. I could see the argument. I probably wouldn't do it. I'm not sure I'd put a cornerback. I'm not sure there is a cornerback in today's NFL that belongs in that category. Like, there's no there's no 2009 Darrell Rivas kicking around anymore. And I'm not even sure it's possible for that to exist in today's NFL. So I would probably avoid having Ramsey or any corner in that group. Trent Williams absolutely agree. Aaron Donald absolutely agree. I think those are the two slam dunks. God, I still think you put Mahomes in there just because of what he can do. Like, I, and I think there's a good argument that, that there's a few quarterbacks that belong in there. I think Mahomes probably still belongs in there, even coming off a relatively pedestrian year for him. I think it's hard to argue that Aaron Rodgers doesn't belong in there. Like, back-to-back MVP seasons over the last two years, has anybody played better football than him uh, over the last two years? Has any quarterback ever had a two-year stretch that's dramatically better than what Rodgers has done? So I think you can argue that Rodgers belongs in there. Um, And I think it's kind of hard to argue that Tom Brady doesn't belong in there at 45 years old, still putting in, you know, all pro caliber seasons. He finished the regular season, right? As our number one graded quarterback. And then Joe Burrow jumped him in the playoffs. So yeah, I I think I could see a good argument for all three of those quarterbacks having a 99. My thing with quarterbacks is I don't, you don't see the same kind of multi-year domination where it's just this guy is clearly in this season, the best quarterback in the NFL year in year out. You just don't see that at that position a whole lot. So I, I like the idea that you're not, that you, uh, last year at this time, I didn't mind reserving the 99 for Patrick Mahomes. We hadn't seen a whole lot of what he, uh, what he did historically in the NFL, but then he dropped off again. And I think that showed uh, in his drop off is still a great year for most quarterbacks, yeah. but I think that shows the the fickle nature of playing quarterback. It's not like when the Aaron Donald, you stack it up like he has literally been the highest graded defensive player every year since his rookie season. You just don't see that at the quarterback position yeah. or at corner. You just I, always knew that it was going to be Revis and Sherm right. at the top or whatever, or Trent Williams now, right? And now has four years in his career as the highest graded left tackle. So when he's healthy, you could 
pretty safely say, hey, Trent Williams is the guy. I just don't think you see that at quarterback as far as, again, on-field performance year in, year out. I don't think it's possible for quarterbacks, to be honest. Like, I, I just I don't think it's because of all the things involved in that position, of how dependent it is on other things. Like, Aaron Donald can go out there and more or less takes care of his own business. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, he's influenced by the guys he's going up against, the offensive system he's facing, whether they're going to try and get the ball out quickly, who's around him in terms of pressure, all those kinds of things. But Aaron Donald generally controls whether or not Aaron Donald is going to be an all-pro any given season. Quarterbacks, it's not as clean-cut. And if, you know, Rodgers this year might be a great example. If Rodgers has no viable receivers to work with this year, is it possible for him to lead the league in PFF grade in, you know, all the things that we're talking about with quarterbacks? I, I don't know that it is. So what for a quarterback to have an Aaron Donald-like run of like a decade of, you know, being the number one graded guy, that means his team has to have had a decade of stability of offensive system that hasn't undermined him, of receiving core that are capable of, taking advantage of it of offensive line that doesn't let him down like those are a bunch of things that all need to stay intact uh for that length of time and that's really really hard to do yeah it absolutely is so i mean with that in mind um i don't think it's crazy to still have Devonte adams at 99 no at receiver. he should be in definitely. Um, we're going to discuss wide receiver one a little bit later on the show here Coming off of 2020, Devontae Adams was incredible. Had He had all the touchdowns, all the receptions. He was uncoverable. Last year was similar, maybe not, again, as dominant as the previous year. Would you still say Devontae Adams is the number one receiver in the NFL? Yeah, I think so. Um, the longevity thing, you know, when you, again, if you stack it up over two years, if you stack it up over three years, Devontae Adams has the best grade, the most yards per route run. Um, you know, he's got the the best performance of any wide receiver. Now, it's going to be interesting. Like Justin Jefferson is on a run where he's heading in the right direction. Jamar Chase, after one year, you know, look like he's capable of doing some of those kinds of things. So there's guys to threaten him. But I think right now, the longevity, the the run we've seen from Devontae Adams puts him as the best guy until somebody proves otherwise. And also, I think earns him uh, a 99 rating without question. The, because it's Madden, you know, the, the 99 rating is in part to kind of reflect things you've seen on the field. It's fun. It creates this buzz. You know, we're talking, you've got the top NFL podcast talking about it. Of course you want to create these, this buzz, right? Um, but it's trying to, it's trying to get the gameplay to play the way it should and, you know, kind of reward and um, reward on field performance. So Cooper cup, is he going to, have a 99 this year coming off of last season like nobody put up stats like cooper cup right 17 game schedule or not he had 17 regular season games plus the four in the playoffs game winning touchdown in the super bowl but game winners left and right cooper cup truly uncoverable um even though his speed rating is probably going to be in the 80s still yeah like it's again because it's sort of seasonal and does reflect what a guy's just done it's pretty hard to argue the cup doesn't deserve a 99 off the back of that season like that might be the greatest wide receiver season in nfl history certainly one of the top like adjusted for inflation and those kinds of things but that that cooper cup year was nuts he was absolutely dominant he's the only receiver in the nfl last year i think to be above three yards per route run and that like that's the benchmark if you're above three you're in very very rare air usually 
I mean, Julio Jones is the only guy that's consistently managed to to average above three yards per route run uh, over the course of his career. And, you know, Julio, we know, has had those long discussed issues with scoring touchdowns, right? Cooper Cup had 16 touchdowns in the regular season. So he got the Julio Jones level of production in terms of yards per route run, plus he scored 16 touchdowns in the regular season um, and came up big, like, in the playoffs as well. It's not like he then disappeared in in the postseason like when when they got to the crunch games and they were in trouble they still leaned on cooper cup um scored six more touchdowns across four games in the playoffs won super bowl mvp so yeah cooper cup might not have the the tool set that julio jones in his prime or some of these other receivers has but the dude just had one of the most absurd seasons anybody's ever had so yeah give him his 99 I want to hear from our uh, viewers here. So if you're live in the YouTube chat, who else deserves a 99 grade? Drop their name in the chat. The other thing I want to know, Sam, I don't know if you, I don't know if you got deep down into the Madden message boards like I did the last decade or a decade, over a decade ago. No, thankfully. But there is a whole group of people who still believe NFL 2K5 is the best game of all time. That when NFL 2K lost the ability to make an NFL game, they lost the license to exclusivity to EA Sports, that uh, NFL 2K, you know, was was the thing, and and they were never going to go to Madden because of it. Um, So I'm always curious if we have any secret NFL 2K fans in here who have, like, been boycotting Madden and all that stuff. But there's, like, uh, there's an underground world there, Sam, who believe uh, NFL 2K is the game. Are you... Uh, uh, Yeah, we're talking Madden ratings here. Are you going to... Are you going to get involved in our buddy Hawk, uh, Andrew Hawkins? He's creating the first kind of commercial VR, virtual reality oh, game yeah. where you can like play quarterback, you know? So you can go, I don't know how, I don't know how it's calibrated, you know? If the like the, I don't know if your 74 mile an hour fastball is going to be reflected in a Mahomes, Josh Allen kind of arm once you get the VR thing attached to you, or if you can like, you know, adjust it in game. measure your arm speed. 74 is good for a football. Yeah, I'm, I'm could, sure it would be. throw 74 with a football. But I, but I also assume that 74 with a baseball would be translated down somewhat to, uh, to when you're throwing yes. a football. Um, but he is, his company, whatever it is, Status Pro, uh, they're creating this first VR reality. Are you going to get involved in that? Or is that like a lot? There's, there's that term of, you know, technology that it, that comes around after you're a certain age it just is witchcraft to you right are you too much of a boomer to be involved in the vr madden type of re- world no I'd, I'd love to get involved in that i mean again i've i've pretty much cut video games out of my life in the last <laughs> 10 years or so after marriage plus babies but um i've done i've played around with some vr stuff with various companies through the years and you know i could i could play in that world that'd be great Okay. So we got some two we got some two Kers over here. Andrew Hawkins is running like seventeen businesses and then on yeah. the side he just does some NFL analysis. And podcasts. On NFL network. Yeah. Yeah. And a great podcast. Good work, Hawk. And Dude's, does his uh, own like random fun. video things just for like funsies, you know? Yeah. Like comedy skits and skits and stuff on uh Twitter. I liked when he had his one daughter playing quarterback and one daughter trying to block him and yeah. he's just like swim, over the side. swim move, tackling her and everything was great. Good job. Good job, Hawk. Uh, anything else you want to discuss on Madden in the uh, the 99 ratings here? So I would make an argument that, so 
again, the, the seasonality of it. I don't think you can put Quentin Nelson in there after the seasons that he's just had. Um, injuries and, and that we haven't seen the real Quentin Nelson for a little bit. But I would argue that the while Quentin Nelson has been not himself for the last year or so, uh, that Zach Martin has just continued to get better and better as his career has gone on. I would say there's a pretty strong argument that Zach Martin deserves a 99 based off what we've seen from him. If you do have uh, premium stats, uh, all part of your PFF Elite package, which, by the way, 40% off right now using the promo code PFF40. Great time to get in right now, PFF40. Uh, you could go and check out Zach Martin's career compared to Quentin Nelson's career, put them up side by side. And while we've always called uh, Quentin Nelson this generational tackle and certainly on pace to be that guy, um, it still comes back to, hey, you can't just be a 95 every single year. Sometimes you have some ups and downs, you have some injuries and all that stuff. But as much as we've talked up Quentin Nelson, there is an argument between both of those guys, Zach Martin versus Quentin Nelson, who's the best guard in the NFL in any given year. And I think that battle is going to continue as you've, uh, as you've mentioned there. Yeah. I mean, Zach Martin's one of those guys where he's, there's a lot of players in the NFL these days. You know, obviously Tom Brady is adjusting what everybody thought old people can achieve in, in football as he plays with 45 and doesn't look any worse than he did when he was 25. Um, Andrew Whitworth was playing well, you know, a tackle at 40, but all of a sudden you're seeing a ton of linemen in particular, offense and defense, both all playing like their best football over the age of 30, right? They seem to like pass the age of 30, which used to be the point where you'd start to kind of at least anticipate some kind of beginning of a decline for these guys. And actually it almost marks like that's when you're going to get their best stretch. It's become alignments prime, uh, the kind of years from 30 to 35. That's when you're going to see their best football. And Zach Martin, like he's got two seasons with a PFF grade above 90 in his career, and they've been the last two, the most recent two. Uh, the year before that was 88. Like Those are three of his best seasons in the NFL. And Quentin Nelson might have a slightly higher ceiling because of his just physical tools, but I don't. nobody's playing better than Zach Martin right now. Completely agree. Um, so, yeah, any other uh, 99s? I, I don't think there's anyone else that I would put up there. Miles Garrett, TJ Watt at Edge, I, you know, those are the top two guys. I think TJ Watt, maybe coming off the sack record, will get the 99 rating. But I don't, again, in a, in going into a season, I don't know that I'm confident definitively saying, yeah, TJ Watt's better than Miles Garrett, Khalil Mack, Vaughn Miller, maybe Vaughn at this point, but. Uh, both Boses. Yeah, I don't think TJ Watts in his own world there, um, even though, I, you know, he'd probably call him the top edge in the in the league right now. Yeah, I, I mean, I think if you're, they either both get it or neither of them gets it would be my point. The question, yeah. the question is kind of like, where are TJ Watt and Miles Garrett right now? How do they compare to like prime Von, Von Miller? Um, I think they're probably in the same ballpark. The, the thing that would separate them is if Von Miller did that for you know, a sequence of year after year after year and never let off. Uh, those guys are just on a smaller run of it right now. T.J. Watts has been more. He's got a longer run of it. Miles Garrett sort of putting it together after a couple of years that were half years, you know, one self-inflicted suspension and one where he caught COVID and kind of cooled off down the second half of the season. But, I mean, those guys are now on a run of a few seasons with a 90-plus pass rushing grade 
which is kind of what we're talking about here, right? If you're if you're above 90 pass rushing consistently for a bunch of seasons, that's pretty much as good as it gets for an edge rusher. So I think... Watt's run defense, like when you're talking about a 99 player, Watt's run defense always pales in comparison to some of the other top edges through the years. That's it? true, including Von Miller. Um, right. Like that was Von one and Khalil Mack were always outstanding at both. Yeah, okay. I, I guess you can make... That's a fair point. And I think the same thing is true with Garrett as well, that neither of those guys has lived up yep. to where Von Miller and Khalil Mack at their best were in terms of run defense. So... 99 suggests that's as good as it gets and the run defense isn't okay yeah let's give him a 98 all right i want to get to this email sam uh let us know by the way who do you think should be the madden 99s um might be out by the time you guys listen to this um i want to get to this email about wide receiver one do we want to do that or the afc one uh well let's get through this one because it's there's some reading involved it's quite the long lengthy email do you have that one pulled up yeah Okay, let's so, go, let's go to that right now. So we have uh, a very in-depth bet. There is an adjustment that I would probably make to it. Yeah. Um. So I don't know if you need to get into like how he would want to grade this bet. Yeah, I didn't I edit. I, I didn't EPA. edit this at the time, but let me sort of read through it and see if we can do it on the fly. This email came right. to us from a guy called Elliot Zetas. Uh, hello, Steve, Sam, and the PFF podcast team. I would like to offer a bet. You guys have all been very high in the impact of wide receiver ones, especially Steve. In my opinion, way too high. I believe the wide receiver ones are important. However, I believe that there are a lot more confounding variables that influence their ability to be effective, especially with non-elite passers. I can pull up quotes from specific episodes to show how much you all like to chat about this. Uh, You two have claimed numerous times that true number ones will not only positively affect the quarterback, but the entire offense. Uh, e.g. the cover two, the the Tyree kill effect. Um, To show how much I think wide receiver ones are overrated, I will make a risky wager. I will argue that the offenses that lost their wide receiver ones this offseason, the Green Bay Packers, the Tennessee Titans, and the Kansas City Chiefs, will experience greater positive changes in their offensive grades than the teams that added new wide receiver ones, the Raiders, the Dolphins, and the Eagles. Uh, We will examine the cumulative changes in offensive passing, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Essentially, we will see how the teams went from last year to this year and compare. Uh, Now, the thing that you want to change and that I agree with is he's talking about cumulative offensive grade from one year to the next. Our argument, I think, is always based in the idea that the offense will perform better as opposed to everybody individually will be better, right? So I think the only way you can fairly measure this is in some kind of measure of offensive overall performance, EPA per play, you know, those kinds of things, like offensive efficiency, success rate, whatever it is, whatever the number is you want to measure offensive success by, that's the point. It should make a bunch of people on the offense better, but the point is it will make the offense better because of that, right? Yeah. So I think EPA per play is the best one. Uh, The other one I could potentially use is points per drive. Right. You know, essentially how many points you're putting up per opportunity. I I think I would accept this bet if it's EPA per play. So he went through Uh, a long he went through a long bit of sort of working the math out um, and then said uh, in both of our groups. um, Okay, so the outcome, if Elliot wins, (laughs) if Elliot wins, you two will need to wear a Manscaped costume on the show which I don't think is something that exists. We would need to create this. Uh, ideally, it would be similar to a banana outfit 
but look like one of their razors. Also, maybe the Manscaped people could hook us up with something. You know, they have a cardboard cutout or something, like a life-size performance package 4.0. You could just are, cut a hole in. There, yeah, are there Manscaped costumes out there somewhere? Can we get somebody on the Google machine it feels like Manscaped yeah, costumes? Like the Manscaped people could hook us up with one of those fathead things, you know, where it's just a 4.0 razor. You could just cut a hole in it, you know, put it up in front of you. Yeah. Anyway, uh, also, when it comes time to read off the Manscaped ad, we'll need you to read the following quote. We're not always right, and sometimes we nick ourselves by being too boisterous on our claims. However, the Manscaped Platinum Package is never too boisterous. Wide receiver ones are important, but not as crucial as the entire offensive package. Make sure your entire offensive package receives an elite PFF grade using Manscaped's Platinum Package. Of course, we just read that out, so I'm not sure like we he won. Uh, if Sam and Steve win, if I lose, I will create and wear a Manscaped costume that resembles their lawnmower razor. I will attend a Broncos home game, since I live in Denver, and walk around with the following sign. Adding a wide receiver one to your team is like adding Manscaped to your life. Look at Pete Davidson. Since he started using Manscaped, he's been winning life. Fact check it. Be like Pete and add Manscaped, uh, then Kim, to your life. Pete Davidson is apparently the new spokesperson for Manscaped. Uh, feel free to offer any feedback, comments on my offer and bet. I'm happy to negotiate. Uh, blah, blah. We can remove games that the wide receiver won or the projected starting quarterback does not play in, or we could leave as is. Appreciate you too and love the show. Cheers. So I love that one, but I do think it needs that change from like cumulative grade of offensive players to the act yeah. to measuring the actual performance of the offense. Uh, so yeah, there's there's a lot to unpack there. I I, I do love it. Uh, first off, as far as the bet goes, so he's saying the pa- the three teams that lost wide receiver one are the Packers, Chiefs, and Titans, yeah. right? Um, to be fair, we should well, it's fair to us. You'd probably want to take out the Jordan Love game for the Packers, so that'll raise yeah. their EPA per play from last year. And I'm all on board with losing any of the anytime the quarterbacks hurt or out going forward right yeah. from this bet so the starting quarterback has to be in um i think the exception might be on the dolphins i think we accept both tua or teddy bridgewater with the eagles do they still have gardner Minshew? i think we there might be a backup that's acceptable with jalen hurts and the raiders would probably just have to be Derek carr i i would restrict it to just jalen hurts i think okay. the dolphins one i think is fair because that didn't change much um I think we're just saying two is a, a left-handed Teddy Bridgewater. So, you know, we can, we can accept that. Yeah. I think going forward, it should probably be Tua only. Um, Jalen Hurts only, I think in both cases, Derek Carr, obviously just Aaron Rodgers, Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, and Patrick yeah. Mahomes, obviously. So, yeah, I, I think if um, you basically restrict the starting quarterbacks with the caveat that Teddy Bridgewater versus Tua was the same, then I think you're probably good. Pivot to EPA per play, um, and I think I think we're good there. I think that's great. As far as the punishment goes, first off, I hope Manscaped is still a sponsor that's by the time this all happens. Well, even if they're not, now, even if they're not, this would be great publicity, right? They could jump back on board we, if they might, give us a giant lawnmower 4.0 fan head. Now, the only thing is the reward here for us, it, we're looking at the 2023 season, right? So we have to go through 2022. We win the bet, and we're waiting for Elliot to – he's going to spend the 2022 offseason. He said making his own Manscaped yeah. costume, so I'm guessing they don't exist. He's going to make right. it and go to a Broncos game in 2023. I'm wondering if we could reap the reward a little bit sooner. You know, do we 
do we do this up to a certain week? And then he goes to like the week 18 game or something like that. Or does he go to the Super Bowl like this or whatever it might be? You know, like we will send Elliot to the Super Bowl with uh, his Manscaped costume. See, this, this occurred to me reading, checking the mailbox once I got back from vacation and like reading through all the bets. And, you know, we were encouraging people, I think, at some point to to sort of put some stakes in there, you know, and make it interesting. Only when you start to, like, mentally tally up what all the stakes are, if we go on a run, like a cold run, we catch a cold, oh, a, a cold deck of cards, you know, and get, get snake eyes across the board, if I can mix the metaphor all the way, we could be in trouble. And particularly if you start throwing in things like, oh, we'll just send him to the Super Bowl. Like, this could get expensive pretty quickly. You know what I mean? We're just called Chris. We're going to send Elliot to the Super Bowl because we want to bet against him. But don't worry. He's pushing one of our sponsors. We'll drop 10 grand on his Super Bowl ticket. You know, another several grand on all the money we dumped on the rest of the bets. We got this. It's easy. Anyway, I, I love a lot of that. I, I want to answer the, the the premise, too, because I am. you don't have to look up quotes. I'm guilty. I've been I've been raving about it all week, all year. Wide receiver one, I do believe, has a massive impact. Um, I will say, anecdotally, where I've been, if you look back through history, it's not like this clear-cut thing, right? Um, just off the top of my head, Randy Moss got traded from New England in week four in 2010, and Tom Brady went on to win MVP. Um, Moss was still good at the, for the Patriots or those first few weeks. And then Brady went on to win MVP with Deion Branch as his top receiver. Uh, Matthew Stafford has had good seasons post Calvin Johnson. Uh, Deshaun Watson looked like he was so dependent on DeAndre Hopkins his first few years in the league. DeAndre Hopkins leaves and Watson had his best season. So there is evidence the other way as well. Now, part of the premise of this was saying it might make a bigger difference. It doesn't make as big of a difference for elite quarterbacks. So in Elliott's, you know, suggestion here it sounds like he thinks Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers in particular are going to be okay um and there is some historical precedent where maybe the better quarterbacks are okay um and maybe you throw Tannehill into that bunch as well um the interesting one though is going to be what those guys bring to Derek Carr Jalen Hurts and Tua uh because I do think they're going to have an impact right so we have seen quarterbacks lose great receivers and they still survive. It's not like everything falls apart. Um, but I'm still of the belief that overall, I could go the other way and say, look, Matt Ryan has been so much better with Julio Jones than without. There's a lot of those examples. And even Tyree Kill, last year, we talked about the cover two thing. It was the worst Kansas City offense in four years. But my answer would be, he made it easy that for them to just grab one more receiver, right? You keep Tyree Kill, you grab one more receiver, and that guy should be enough to put that offense back to being dominant again. Um, rather than overhauling the whole thing. Tyreek Hill still helped them have one of the most efficient running games in the entire NFL because of how they dictated coverage. Uh, so I think there's there's a lot to unpack there, but like anything in football, it's not like, hey, look, historically, Steve uh, Steve's going based off of nine out of 10 times, this is what happens. It's more like six out of 10 or whatever, you know? It's a, it, it could go either way, but I do like this bet and I will absolutely accept it. Yeah, it's also not one-to-one you know it's not like you get a wider so our point has been 
wide receiver ones offer a larger impact than simply the play of the wide receiver one, right? Like you don't right. just you don't just sort of look at a spreadsheet and say, well, this guy's going to bring you whatever it is, 1,200, 1,400 yards, add that to our offense, that's what we're getting. What you're doing is saying, well, you're going to get that production, but you're also going to have an impact beyond that in terms of what that guy is doing by dictating coverages and the gravity he brings to coverage and what that does to everybody else in the offense. But that doesn't, that's not automatically making you better. Now you need to take advantage of that, right? And that was where you get, so the chief situation last year. Tyreek Hill essentially dictated those cover two looks, those, not cover two, those two high safety shells that the Chiefs started to see a lot of last season and then saw a ton of as the year progressed. That is, Tyreek Hill did that. Like, teams started to head in that direction because of Tyreek Hill. The fact that the Chiefs found that to be a problem is not Tyreek Hill's fault, right? Like, that's that's a potential advantage that Tyreek Hill is bringing to the offense that Kansas City somehow turned into a disadvantage by actually turning out that they struggled against those kinds of shells, right? But the idea that you have a player on offense that can force the defense into a specific look is a good thing. And usually you can then take advantage of that and become better because of it. But it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to happen automatically. And that's why where his point about, you know, various other confounding factors is is fair. It's a legitimate one, right? It's not like it's not a simple addition thing. You then need to figure out what it means. And that like that's why I've been tapping the brakes or like throwing up a note of caution about this idea of Tyree Kill plus Jalen Waddle plus Miami equals, you know, fantastic fireworks. Cause somebody still needs to figure out how that functions, right? It's not simple and it's not like an easy mathematical formula of just plug it in and then we get this amazing thing somebody needs to go away plug it all into the chalkboard and like figure out how we maximize that performance um and i think the other element is like it, it does matter what you're left with right like you've, you've named a lot of teams that were okay after trading away their number one receiver because they were left with a receiving core that was still fine i don't think you can make that argument with green bay particularly well like that unless Somebody in that room performs dramatically better than we have any reason to expect them to perform. And in particular, I'm sort of throwing my sights towards the rookies at this point, right? Unless Christian Watson hits the ground running, unless Romeo Dubs way outperforms his draft position, then Green Bay's receiving core looks terrible. And that is where you're going to feel the loss of a guy like Devontae Adams that some of these other teams wouldn't have felt. Yeah, well, the interesting thing, well, first off, I'll I'll, I'll push back on you because Greg Rosenthal said I should push back every now and again. Okay. Uh, using the Brady example in 2010, again, he was left with old Dion Branch as wide receiver one, and then he had rookie Gronk and, and rookie Aaron Hernandez. It wasn't like it was a train wreck. He had Wes Welker there too, but, um, you know, it was, it was a, definitely a big drop-off from Randy Moss, but, you know, we've seen it go both ways. I will agree with you on the Packers thing, right, because I don't feel great about what they're left with. The interesting thing on Kansas City is we do kind of reference, hey, they played too high, completely different strategy against Kansas City because of Tyreek Hill. But they also kind of did it because of Patrick Mahomes because it forced Mahomes into a patient game. I want to see if teams stick with that because it's a Mahomes-driven strategy or if teams look at Kansas City and they're like, man, I'm not afraid of any of these receivers one-on-one minus Travis Kelsey. 
right? When you play man coverage, especially like say the Patriots do, you play man and you have these extra defenders. If you want to double Travis Kelsey and play man against Juju and Sky Moore and Nicole Hardman, I mean, if 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 that's in um, uh, Marcos Valdez Scantling with maybe a safety over the top because he's fast, I want to see if teams do that, you know, and then. You got to be afraid of Mahomes as a scrambler. When you play man, he can take off and all that stuff, and he's a great, uh, efficient scrambler. But we could see a whole different strategy against Kansas City, you know, this year just because of the receiving core too. And, and that might work for the Chiefs or it might work against them because they don't have the same type of receivers who maybe can separate and, uh, and win those one-on-ones. So it's a lot to – Lots to watch this year, man. I'm looking forward to this season, as always. Yeah, I mean, I think it started off as a Tyree Kill uh, thing, the the two high looks, and then it became a, oh, it turns out the Chiefs actually struggle against these looks, or, you know, they're they're it's causing them to have too many mistakes. Let's use a ton of them. But, like, Tyree Kill was the reason the team started to do that, because, and t- you know, Mahomes at the other end of it, obviously, like somebody's throwing them the ball. But the threat of Tyree Kill running past your defense and scoring a 60-yard touchdown at a moment's notice on any yeah. play caused teams to start pivoting towards those looks. And then once they did that, that's when they were sort of discovering as a league that this Chiefs offense does not like being forced to play patiently. All right, I want to wrap it up with this other email about the AFC. We got into this a little bit with Eric Eager on uh, in the last podcast when you were on vacation, Sam. But from Neil Sharma, Uh, Hey, guys, the AFC is looking absolutely stacked this upcoming year. Apart from the Jets, Texans, and Jags, every single team won seven or more games last season. That's 13 teams. And then pretty much all 13 of those teams look good. But we know some of those 13 teams is going to disappoint. I'll also add to this email, a a lot of those 13 teams made some great offseason moves, right? This is what we've been talking about for months here. So, Neil wants to know definitively which of these 13 competitive AFC teams do you think are most likely to have a disappointing season? I'll just add this too. For whatever it's worth, I do think the Jets, Texans, and Jags, the three teams that we're not talking about, I think they're better. I think they're all better this year. I mean, I know we're in offseason, optimism mode. The Texans should be better than last year, but whatever. The Jets absolutely should be better than last year. And the Jags, I think even if they overpaid for players should be better than last year. Then you have the 13 that seem like the most competitive in the AFC. So who's going to have the most disappointing season in the AFC, Sam? So I've said for a while that I think, you know, Miami got dramatically better and still might not make the playoffs because of what everybody else did. Right. So Miami, I think would be one of my teams immediately that I think they will be a much better team this year. They address the right areas. They, they had a good off season. Um, but I just don't think it's going to be enough given the arms race that everybody else went on and the fact that, you know, we expect Buffalo to win that division. The Patriots might be good as well. Like, there's, it's just tough. So Miami, I think, would be the first one to highlight of a team that I think got better, will be good, but just miss out through, through the numbers involved in the AFC. Uh, I have, you know, I do Tennessee radio as you do a lot and, you know, having to go talk about the Titans and how, look, we had their roster ranks 20th this off season. That might not directly correlate just because they play in the AFC South. And I do like Mike Vrabel. I think he'll, he'll bring it together. Yeah. Yeah. But the Titans could be that team that disappoints after being the number one seed last year. The, the, that division is, is kind of interesting because, you know, we Jacksonville, Houston should both still be pretty bad, 
Um, they're, the, they're two of the three teams that we're sort of ruling out from this conversation. And then you have Indianapolis and Tennessee, both of whom I think feels like they're not really in this contender level of the AFC where there's all these great teams and, you know, the arms race that everybody's gone on. And Tennessee in particular kind of went sideways while everybody else was going forward. Indy, I think you could argue, maybe did get better and, you know, flipped Carson Wentz for Matt Ryan, all those kinds of things. But Matt Ryan is not what he once was and all those kinds of things. Anyway, it sort of feels like both those two teams are not, they're not where everybody else is in terms of true contenders. But one of them is going to win the division, right? Like, and that immediately obviously puts you in the playoffs. And then all you need is, you know, one or two games where you live up to your potential as opposed to a whole run of like 13. And it's a different conversation. So I, I kind of feel like neither of those two teams is in the true contender level in the AFC, but one of them is going to be around when those games are taking place. And that, you know, it, it obviously gives them a ticket. I think the Jaguars could be much better than expected. You know, even last year at this time, I think we were talking ourselves into over on their win total, which was probably seven, six or seven. We were talking ourselves into this and year two Trevor Lawrence, man. We could see a special year two Trevor Lawrence, which could change everything. And then you lose the baseline of Urban Meyer and raise that to Doug Peterson and everything gets better. Don't sleep on the Jags. Here's the other thing I'm being talked into this offseason. The Raiders fans are just chipping away at me, Sam, on us. Oh, God. Even though I'm more of the the guy in you're favor in, for the Raiders. Yeah, you're in the their camp. You're like, you're, you're Mr. Raider. The rest of us Mr. hate Raider. It. It's just you. My boss, is, you know, my boss is a Raiders fan. You know, I'm trying to trying to keep Rick happy. You know what I mean? I mean, the more I think about go, in, if, if my theories are correct, the idea that you go get three or four guys that you can't cover – is there anything better than the Raiders having Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro out there, right? You've got three different body types, three different types of receivers who all know how to get open. Derek Carr is going to elevate his game, presumably with Devontae Adams. So maybe I should be a little bit higher on the Raiders. I'm bringing this back to, could the Broncos disappoint, right? Another team that we've We've been saying all they need is the quarterback. All they need is the quarterback. I believe all of that. I believe they're moving in the right direction. The roster is looking excellent. What if Russ just isn't the same, Yeah. right? Last year was the finger injury. You could use that as an excuse, but regardless, the last year and a half of Russell Wilson has not looked anything like the previous rest of his career. Is that a trend or was that a blip? And so I'm just posing that more as a question. Like if Russ came out there and was another was posted another 75, 80 grade rather than a high 80s grade, like you would expect from him, the Broncos could disappoint. Um, and that's dependent on is Russell Wilson, who's getting older, he's maybe lost a bit of a step in, from an, an athleticism standpoint, something that's been a huge part of his game. So it's not crazy to believe that Russ isn't the same Russ anymore. I'm sorry. We, we're talking about Russell Wilson in decline at the age of whatever he is. When Tom Brady's out here at 152 years old, still plotting. But Russ away. is short. He's short, right? Short quarterback. Batman. Yeah, so that's when they, it starts to catch up to them. Whatever Tom Brady's been doing with the TB12 and the avocado ice cream and stuff, Russell Wilson has apparently been paying like a million dollars a year for recovery for his entire career. Like that, if anybody is going to, it didn't work last year. It didn't work. It's because he broke a finger. That didn't like, it's not a declining issue. That's like somebody mangled his hand. But like, if anybody is going to, you know, extend the, 
the like the prime years of his career, it had better be Russell Wilson given the amount of money he's paid on that throughout his career. There's a lot of investment there. I'm just I'm just saying that it is a possibility. And at the end of the year, if you're talking about disappointing years, it's that in combination with playing the Chargers, playing the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean the division. division. Somebody yeah. somebody is going to end up not looking great from that division when they're probably a very yeah. good team. Like and it, honestly, it could be any of them. The Chiefs, I mean, the Chiefs were a fine line. I mean, they, they ended up with the number two seed. I mean, they were very close to being, you know, like an eight or nine win team last year. I know you could say that for a lot of football teams, but if you get the breaks going the wrong way, could the Chiefs disappoint because of that stacks division? I don't believe it. I right. think they're the best still. Uh, but, you know, could the Chiefs disappoint after all their offseason turnover? Yeah, I mean, look, we, we, we talk about having Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and having them sort of locked down. It's going to make the Chiefs contender every single season. This is the same way it did with New England, where, you know, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, et cetera, and they went on that run where they had double-digit wins for, like, almost 20 years. Um, But particularly in this year, this AFC, this season of contenders, if the Chiefs lose a couple of games they're not expected to and they win 10 games or 11 games – you could you could conceivably miss the playoffs this year with that kind of record, right? Because we're talking about this arms race and how good everybody is. Now, okay, a lot of them are going to play each other and it's going to shake out a little bit, but this could be one of those years where you're going to need 11, 12 wins, you know, to make the playoffs. So if Kansas City has a slight off couple of games and they only end up with 11 wins or 10 wins, it could could make them miss the play, like, particularly if they lose a couple of them in the division, you know, and like the Raiders stop playing cover one every and cover three every snap against them, and all of a sudden they they struggle to beat the Raiders, you know, like things could happen where all of a sudden this like perennial contending team does not win all the games they're expected to and miss out. I don't think it's going to happen, but it like it's it is possible. Not to completely turn this into the pessimism show that you have completely dominated. Um, you and Austin, rest in peace. Uh, if In classic Steve fashion, I'm just going to answer every team, and then we'll point back to the show where I told you that team would disappoint. The Chargers could disappoint because that's what they do. They're the Chargers. The The Browns could disappoint because we know Deshaun Watson's probably not going to play football for <laughs> a while. might be starting by Jacoby Brissett only... all year. Yeah, it could be Jacoby Brissett. Even if Watson's back, he still only has one elite season under his belt from a PFF standpoint. The Browns could disappoint. The Ravens could disappoint because, you know, Lamar Jackson, you know, is, is he ever going to be what he was in 2019? The Patriots have no secondary and, you know, on paper didn't add enough this offseason compared to other teams in their division. Uh, the Bills are always going to break our heart because that's just what they do. They just can't win the Super Bowl. So they're going to disappoint because the expectations are so high. So uh, every team is going to disappoint. Every team. Go Jags. Okay. Um, I think you can, you can kind of get to the number reasonably quickly, though. Like, you know, 16 teams in the conference, seven of them are going to make the playoffs. Uh, we're already writing three of them off before we start in terms of just not being good enough, the Jets, the Jags, and the Texans. I think Miami is going to underwhelm a little bit. One of Tennessee or Indy are not, are not going to make the playoffs. Um, one of them has to. I think Pittsburgh, as much as Mike Tomlin works miracles and the man never has a losing season, again, like in this year of all years, if the man gets above 500 with Trubisky slash Kenny Pickett, the quarterback, that would be a minor miracle. I know he did it with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph, but like, again, it's a different league, right? Look at... Yeah, if 
if you're putting the Steelers in this good group, I would pick the Steelers to be one of the disappointing teams. Right. I don't think they're as good as the other teams. I, I, I mean, we talked about one of the the teams in that uh, AFC West is going to underwhelm relative to the rest of them just because you can't have all four of them dominating. They're going to take wins off each other. If I was picking one of the four, I'd pick the Raiders. You'd probably pick Denver. Um, sure. So one of those teams, like we're, we're getting, you know, we're zeroing in pretty quickly on like your playoff field from the AFC. So there you have it. Every team could disappoint, but there's a few a little bit more likely. I'm definitely going to say the Steelers. I'll go Steelers and Broncos, even though a month from now when we do our previews, I'm going to love the Broncos. So, so there's one more email that we had that I don't know. Did you answer this on a on a podcast while I was away? I think it's a question that I've, I've had in there for a while that we haven't got around to answering. Uh, essentially, you know, we know that the this is from a guy called Norman Morin. Morin Didn't do this now. Um, from Virginia. We know the effect that having like an elite quarterback, you just drop him into a team and boom, they're, they're a completely different enterprise. Like the Andrew Luck being on the Colts made the Colts a, a, a playoff contending team every single season. That's the impact that having a guy that good can do. We saw what, you know, even Dak Prescott, Russell Will. Anyway, it's, it's obvious. His question is essentially, if you dropped an elite top-tier quarterback, a Patrick Mahomes, an Aaron Rodgers, a Tom Brady, uh, and Brady is a good example, Tampa Bay to, from New England, um, he suspects he's taking an even bet on that team making the playoffs and maybe even a deep run. If uh, if you drop Brady, Rogers, Mahomes, Allen on, say, the Dolphins, they'd be playoff bound. What team essentially does that not apply to? Like, how bad does a team need to be where you throw in a Patrick Mahomes and they're not, they're still not a playoff team? Like, are there any teams in the NFL this year that Patrick Mahomes does not make a playoff team immediately? Texans, Bears. Texans and Bears. Yeah. That's it. Texans, Bears, Falcons, maybe? I think... I'm just thinking through our worst... Because even the other teams that are in our worst roster bucket over the uh, that ben, uh, article Ben Lindsay put together, the Jaguars are down there, the Jets are down there. Seahawks. The Seahawks are down there. I mean, Seattle might be close. Well, Seattle has sure. at least Seattle's got the wide receivers that he can make some real hay with. Yeah, I know, I know. They, they they're specifically built where if you put an right. elite quarterback on, they team. they might have a roster as bad or worse as anybody else in the NFL. But specifically in terms of this problem, right? You're dropping an elite quarterback on a random team. That elite quarterback has two legit wide receivers to work with in Seattle. That I think is a force multiplier in a way that doesn't exist in, you know, a couple of these other teams. I think the, I mean, the Texans and bears, I think have to be up there just because they're blowing it up. And um, I know again, Dr. Eager was on the show last week and he's been all over the lions and loving them. I think they're it's in part because of like where the market is. I don't think, I mean, Eric, if you gave him an even bet, he's not putting the lions in the playoffs right now. So I don't right. know if the lions are there yet, unless you do truly believe that Dan Campbell and this is part of Eric's argument in, in favor of the Lions that Dan Campbell is a Mike Tomlin, Mike Vrabel type of coach that he will elevate whatever they have. So the Lions are on paper probably in that bucket right now. Um, but the I think the Bears and the Texans have to be the most obvious ones right now, and I I would consider maybe the Falcons up there as well. Yeah, I the Falcons. Panthers like the, are the Panthers close? 
Hmm. And no, I see again. I think the Panthers have too much to work with in terms of receivers. Like, yeah, you drop an elite quarterback in that in that roster. I think a their defense I think is better. B their offensive line at least improved reasonably they this offseason, and they got some receivers to work with. I think Carolina is fine with an elite quarterback. Um, honestly, even the Texans would be interesting. Like if you plug Patrick Mahomes on that roster. Because they've got some receivers to work with. Okay, they're kind of unproven outside of Brandon Cooks, but you could see it. The defense stinks. Um, Chicago, I think, might be – this is the kind of ultimate irony of like, hey, what is Justin Fields going to be this year? Like, the Bears, that's such a bad situation. We're, we're, the Bears' situation is so bad that we're saying even Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers might not take that team to the playoffs – and you're expecting Justin Fields to do anything there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's um, – I don't want to say the last time we saw that, but, again, in 2018, what, there was five first-round quarterbacks, and in year two, the Jets with Sam Darnold. The Bills were already on their way back, but the Jets with Sam Darnold and wherever Josh Rosen was at that point, um, was he on to Miami at that point? Uh, I think he was. They had terrible situations where it was like, I, I don't even, unless Sam Donald or Josh Rosen is super special, we're not going to get a good gauge for what they can do here in year two, and that proved correct. The Dolphins were atrocious in 2019, as were the Jets. Uh, you might have the same situation with Justin Fields this year with the Bears, where they're just not in position right now to get a good gauge for what he can do, and then there's just hope that you could really flip the script in 20. 23 and 24 you think jacksonville got that much better in the offseason or are you putting the three wins last year entirely down to <laughs> to, to urban meyer yeah i don't think they were as bad as what we saw last year and then you look at they made incremental improvements at receiver and offensive line and defensive line and in the secondary right these were incremental improvements that when you tie it all together with a Doug Peterson, a new coaching staff. And again, I'm projecting a year two leap from Trevor Lawrence, because if we don't see it where, you know, I think the Jags are rethinking a lot of things. I'm projecting a year two leap from him. If that doesn't happen, it really doesn't matter if they made incremental changes, but I'm assuming if Lawrence is a lot better, I think the Jaguars are better. Meaning if you do put a top quarterback on that team, they're at least like creeping back toward average across the roster, aren't they? I, yeah, I guess. It's just, I don't know. I just, I don't have a ton of faith in the organizational structures and the the things that well, they're if doing. You, if you put Trevor Lawrence on the Chiefs, Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson on the Chiefs roster, you look at that receiving core and say, eh, yeah, it's all right. Great. They have Travis Kelsey. Receivers, eh, offensive line's really good. And then what do you feel good about defensively? Maybe some rookies that are eventually going to, you know, help turn that thing around against yeah. Jones. No, it's true. I mean, but that's more of a sort of indictment of, yeah, it, it is true that, like, Kansas City's roster is average, but they have the two most important aspects of anything locked yeah. up long-term, right? They have the head coach, and they have Patrick Mahomes for a de- for a decade. So They still have be... Chelsea, and they still have a great yeah. offensive line. So th- 
So it's a better roster than the Jags, right? The Jags don't have a position unit where I right. think you're saying, hey, this is among the league's best. We're well, not even have that on offensive line. The Chiefs have that at tight ends. The Chiefs have that in a few different places. Not even that, but they don't have they don't even have the superstar in the important position necessarily, right? So the Chiefs don't don't have a ton of great players, but where they do have greatness, it's in the right place. It's a little bit like the Rams strategy. So they have Travis Kelsey and they have Chris Jones. Like those are their next two elite players and obviously they've got a really great offensive line as well um but you can't even look at jacksonville and say okay this roster isn't great overall but at least outside of quarterback like they've got an elite number one receiver and they've got an elite you know pass rusher or cornerback or whatever it is like they don't like they don't have elite players at the important positions so overall the roster is worse than even a comparable roster that's built with strengths in the right place i i think to answer this argument, the NFL should just uh, reshuffle quarterbacks every year. You know, answer all the quarterback arguments by just moving them around every single season and uh, really blow up the league. So have, so have some fun with that. I've seen people suggest that, you know, the draft, it's a bad thing. It's a bad approach, right? It's, it's, it's anti-American. It's communism gone wild. It's socialism, right? It's, 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 not, it's not American. We don't do this. We don't let the, we don't let, you know, we don't equally distribute things out to everybody. We let the free market dictate capitalism. That's how you do things. You just let Jerry Jones go out there and bid a yacht for the best college player. And that's how we get this done. Um, So they've sort of suggested, you know, I don't know, I don't know, abolish the draft. And then I don't know. You just let a free for all sign the best players, let money talk. I don't know what, what they want to replace it with, but maybe the solution to parity which is what the draft is supposed to promote, right? The worst team gets the best players. Best team gets the quote-unquote worst players or has to wait until they're last in line. Um, maybe the actual way to create parity is every year to just throw every quarterback back in the pot and randomly draw them out. Every year. You can let money talk for just the rest. For let, yeah. Well, let money talk for everything else, right? The free agency is still a free-for-all. Um, we let the draft become a free-for-all. It's all just buy your way to the to number two to 53 on the roster but who your number one guy is going to be a random draw out of a out of a bucket i love it that's what you need keep fan bases engaged every few years you never know who you're going to be rooting for think jersey sales through the roof imagine you have like 10 yeah. you know, if you're a mahomes fan you're gonna have 10 jerseys in 10 years <laughs> maybe you go back to a, the same team you know year one and year five the oh i'm back with uh the ravens as patrick mahomes like what a a huge event for the nfl the draft is now think what an event it would be the like the raffle draw you know for quarterbacks you get that big drum rogers up there like spinning the wheel right you know the kansas city chiefs are going to be starting drew lock (laughs) i like that pick out of uh pick out of a drum yeah Pick out of a drum. What a like, prime time television event that would be. Yeah. You can uh, maybe like one head coach quarterback combination is just locked in. You know, they, they come as a package deal every now and again. But you think, just think throw you some know, wrenches in it. you get a bad, you get a great television market team who's down in their luck right now. You know, Chicago, for example. So like Chicago, terrible team, terrible roster. We're rebuilding. And then all of a sudden you draw like Aaron Rodgers out of the hat. And then Rodgers has to play for the Bears. The plan just changed. It's like we're in a completely different place now. Uh, What if they drafted Drew Locke after all that? Hey, uh, there is somebody in the emails uh, pushing back on our Drew Locke hate. I think there's a future bet to be had there as well. 
uh, when I was glancing through. So. I did see that one. I didn't see what is. Uh... I didn't. I didn't check. I got at some point my eyes glazed over and I stopped reading, but I did. I did notice yeah. that there was a Drew Lock hate getting out no, of control. Knowing your Drew Lock hate, you'll probably sprint to the podium to accept that one, though. I'm I sure. just didn't see what the bet was. Oh, here it is. His grade will be north of seventy for the entire year. I mean, that's some pretty low, you know. Yeah, I would. I would negotiate it up to seventy-five. What did seventy get you last year? If you had a grade of seventy. So Carson Wentz had a grade above 70 last year. And people are yeah. like, Carson Wentz stank last Daniel Gets Jones had a grade above 70. And that was after, like, collapsing with his offensive line in a heap. Teddy Bridgewater was above 70. No, 70 is too low. We're going to need higher than Money that. Money where your mouth is, 75 to 78. It's got to be in that range if you really believe in Drew Locke. With those two receivers. Yeah. No, right. yeah, 70 is too low. I'm not buying 70. Well, anyway, great discussion. It's July. We've got a training camp happening. We, the rookies are showing up to camp today because the Hall of Fame game's right around the corner. Two different teams. We, we'll have all. Uh, we'll have what's that? Two different teams. Buffalo and Vegas report to training camp today. Yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable. We've we've, we've kind of made it to. Uh, we're, I can't wait for the training camp buzz. There's going to be superstars made over these next few weeks in training camp. So. Stick with us. We'll have some more great off-season discussions. We'll have all of our season previews coming up over the next few weeks. Um, I do want to I want to do an episode answering one question from every fan base because we did this last year. So uh, put it in the title if you want to email it, question for whatever your favorite team is, um, and we want to answer one question per team on a show, maybe next Monday or, or next sometime next week we'll do that. So start sending those in, send in those bets, get all the email information, NFL podcast at pff.com. You could tweet at us at pff underscore Steve at pff underscore Sam and all that fun stuff. All right. And don't forget PFF 40, get 40% off PFF four zero 40% off any PFF subscription over at pff.com right now. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. We'll see you again on Thursday.